The midwives call you because the neonate is cyanotic and not responding to positive pressure ventilation. Discuss your assessment and management. In most healthy infants, the oxygen saturation should increase to over 90% by 10 minutes after birth. Persistent cyanosis in any neonate must be investigated. The different potential causes can include hypoventilation due to things like airway obstruction, neurological causes and metabolic causes. Airway obstruction could be due to coanal atresia, which is congenital narrowing of the back of the nasal cavity, macroglossia, micrognathia or retrognathia, which is a small or posterior jaw with the posterior tongue obstructing the airway, laryngeal or tracheal abnormalities or fetal asphyxia. Neurological causes of hypotension would include hypoventilation would include hypoxemic ischemic encephalopathy, intracranial hemorrhage, infections such as meningitis or encephalitis, seizures and spinal muscu- muscular injury. Metabolic causes of hypoventilation would be due to sepsis, metabolic acidosis, hypoglycemia. The second category I would consider would be pulmonary disorders such as a ventilation perfusion mismatch, which is the most common cause of neonatal cyanosis, such as respiratory distress syndrome, transient tachypnea of the newborn due to delayed resorption of lung fluid, meconium aspiration, neonatal pneumonia, pneumothorax. Other pulmonary disorders include a diffusion impairment, such as sepsis or pulmonary edema, uh, cyanosis in the neonate can be due to a right to left shunt, which would be due to cyanotic congenital heart disease such as tetralogy of phallet, truncus arteriosus, transposition of the great arteries, tricuspid atresia or total anomalous venous drainage. Or it could also be due to persistent pulmonary hypertension of the newborn. I'd also consider hematological causes such as hemoglobinopathies and polycythemia as causes of neonatal hypoxia. So my goals in management would be to do a simultaneous emergency assessment and management to stabilise the child and then I would conduct a targeted history, examination, investigations in order to determine the underlying cause in order to inform further management. As part of my primary survey, I would firstly alert a senior colleague, in this case a consultant paediatrician, and then attend to the baby's airway, breathing and circulation on a resus trolley under a radiant heater. I would receive a quick handover from the nurses regarding the likely etiology of the persistent cyanosis. I would want to know information regarding the obstetric history, including whether the child is term or preterm, any perinatal complications such as prolonged seat, labour or poor APGA score, whether they passed meconium or could have choked on it, the GBS status of the mother, Use of opioid within two hours of delivery, as generally the more pain relief the mother had, the more chance of a baby with respiratory depression, as well as cord gas information. Firstly, I would start off by stimulating the baby by rubbing him or her with a towel. Um, In terms of the primary survey, their airway needs to be established with any secretions being cleared. Important to check for meconium and also consider intubation immediately. Consider putting the neonate prone in order to help clear secretions. Indications for intubation in the neonate would include not responding to positive pressure ventilation, respiratory distress syndrome, perinatal asphyxia or insufficient respiratory effort. The endotracheal tube size would be the gestational age divided by 10. 
During laryngoscopy, I'd want to suction the meconium. On breathing, I would look, listen and feel and assess the respiratory rate and oxygen saturation. You can do a pre-ductal right hand and a post-ductal foot oxygen saturation to assess for differences which might indicate a right to left shunt at the level of the ductus arteriosus. I would then observe and listen for signs of respiratory distress such as tachypnea, inter or subcostal recessions, nasal flaring, audible grunting, uh, which is done by babies to increase their PEEP. I'd also observe and listen for meconium aspiration such as diffuse wet crackles or pneumothorax where I'd expect no air entry. I would also provide supplemental oxygen, although at this stage it's likely that the baby has been intubated so will require mechanical ventilation. I'd also arrange for an urgent chest x-ray and echocardiogram in order to assess the size, position and shape of the heart. For the circulation, I would assess the heart rate, blood pressure, capillary refill and warmth of the peripheries of the neonate. And if the heart rate was less than 60, it means that they are hypoxic and acidotic. So it's an indication for external chest compressions with a two-finger technique with a ratio of 3 to 1. Three compressions per one breath. If the heart rate was above 100, the baby should respond to stimulation and oxygen support. Uh, for circulation, I'd also want to do an ECG, ensuring that the baby is in sinus rhythm and gain vascular access in order to run investigations such as a full blood count, CRP, EUC, LFTs and blood cultures and then also to ensure that an IV fluid resus can be started as well as IV antibiotics. So antibiotics would be ampicillin with 150 milligrams per kilograms per dose twice a day and gentamicin 4 milligram per kilogram IV once a day and that would cover group B strep, E. coli, listeria and enterococcus. It's possible that some clinicians might also answer add cefotaxime in order to cover for suspected meningitis as well. If the heart rate remains below 60 beats per minute after 30 seconds of adequate ventilation and chest compressions, I would consider giving IV adrenaline. Circulation would also include checking the cord gas, looking for metabolic acidosis and hypoxia. If the arterial PO2 is greater than 150 millimetres of mercury, then the defect is not due to structural heart disease. If the arterial PO2 is less than 70 millimetres of mercury, then it's most probably due to a structural heart disease, and you can consider using prostaglandin E1 to improve duct-dependent congenital heart disease. As part of disability, I'd assess the paediatric GCS, exposure for temperature, which can indicate sepsis, and also look for other signs of potential sepsis or hypoxia. Hypotonia is an early sign of sepsis, asphyxia, metabolic disorders, and narcotic withdrawal. I would aim for baby temperature between 36.5 to 37.5. Fluids, I'd want hydration status of the child in order to inform the fluid resus. Glucose, I'd check for hypoglycemia. After the emergency resuscitation of the neonate, I would want to revisit the history, so with a focus on the cyanosis and the maternal or obstetric history. 
For cyanosis, I'd want to know when it had developed. If it was immediately after birth, then it could be transient tachypnea of the newborn, respiratory distress syndrome, pneumothorax, or meconium aspiration. If it was hours after birth, then it'd be more suspicious of cyanotic congenital heart disease, aspiration, or a tracheoesophageal fistula. Uh, as part of the history, I'd also want to know the maternal and obstetric history. I'd want to know about the complications during the pregnancy and the birth. So any diabetes, since it could lead to transient trachypnea of the newborn, respiratory distress syndrome and hypoglycemia in the neonate, preeclampsia, which would lead to intrauterine growth restriction, polycythemia, hypoglycemia, infection, uh, such as premature rupture of the membranes, um, choreo and GBS for sepsis and pneumonia, use of opioids, which can cause respiratory depression, poly or oligohydramnios, which can lead to um, tracheoesophageal fistula in polyhydramnios or pulmonary hypoplasia in oligohydramnios. I'd also be concerned about asphyxia. I'd also ask about asphyxia in the maternal obstetric history because this can lead to cerebral edema or metabolic acidosis. On examination... I would want to redo the vital signs and hydration status of the patient and do a systemic examination, so a head-to-toe assessment of the neonate with a particular focus on the cardiorespiratory exam, looking, listening and feeling for the heart and the lungs, noting any pathological murmurs, uh, for example, severe pulmonary stenosis or truncus arteriosus would lead to a harsh grade greater than 4, and does not vary with movement and singular S2. Investigations and management would be as above as mentioned in the resource, and I would ensure there was meticulous documentation. I would organise transfer to a tertiary unit with neonatal care if necessary. As part of supportive care, I'd want to monitor for hypoglycemia, respiratory status of the neonate, and consider insertion of a nasogastric tube in order to decompress the stomach. FYI, another way to structure the differentials would be to do it by cardiac, respiratory and other. Cardiac differentials would be all your uh, cyanotic congenital heart disease. So transposition of the great arteries, tetralogy of phallate, truncus arteriosus, Epstein's anomaly. And respiratory differentials would include respiratory distress syndrome due to decreased surfactant in premature babies or transient tachypnea of the newborn, aspiration of things like meconium blood or milk, where you'd expect atelectasis and chemical pneumonitis. Pneumothorax is also another respiratory differential. Other potential causes would be sepsis and metabolic acidosis, hypoglycemia or fetal asphyxia, which leads to cerebral edema, intracranial hemorrhage, and then resulting in cyanosis.